Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I'm excited to announce the availability of my first novel, titled The Collins House. It's the story of a family who moves into a haunted house. Their teenage son must work with locals from the small town to unravel the mystery of the house's past residents and hopefully bring peace back to the family. The Collins House is available on Amazon in Kindle ebook, paperback, and hardcover formats. The Kindle edition is only $2.99. Just search for The Collins House by Miles Tridel on Amazon. Thank you. Welcome to another episode of The Warning Woods. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider giving it five stars and writing a review. Reviews help spread the podcast to more listeners. If you want more creepy content, follow me on Instagram and TikTok at The Warning Woods. I'm Miles Thomas Tridel. And this story is called The Playground. Heat radiated from the playground equipment and shimmering waves under the Arizona sun. The children didn't seem to mind. They chased each other through the wood chips, climbed up slides, hung off the sides, and launched themselves with the swings. Isn't it amazing how they'll use the playground in every way except the way it was meant for? Sharon asked Lacey. Hey, now, I remember the two of us doing everything these kids are doing when we were in grade school, Lacey replied. The two shared a short laugh. I'm surprised there are so many kids out on such a hot day, said Sharon. Their parents probably got sick of them cooped up in the house. That's what got me to brave the heat. Gotta run them down, get them tired so they take a nap and you can take a break, Lacey replied, chuckling. Sharon smiled and nodded as she scanned the tired faces of many of the other parents near the playground. The children's laughter and occasional screams filled the air, creating an atmosphere of playful freedom. Sometimes, a young one would trip in the wood chips, dust themselves off, and get right back to whatever game they were playing. No time to stop, they would have to lick their wounds and cry to mommy later. Where'd yours go? asked Lacey. Sharon scanned the hive of about 30 children. After 15 or 20 seconds of searching, nervousness wrenched her face. Oh, wait, there he is, Lacey pointed out a little boy walking through the grassy area beyond the playground. Sharon thanked Lacey and called out to her son. Charlie, stay over here, bud. Charlie didn't seem to hear her. He kept walking through the grass without looking back. He walked with a strange intentionality. Sharon found something about his gait unsettling. I'm going to go check on him, she said to Lacey. Want me to check on P while I'm up? Nah, I see her. She's all right. Lacey nodded towards the swing set where her daughter Penelope pendulumed blissfully. Sharon set her water bottle down on the bench next to Lacey and walked around the playground. Charlie continued to walk away from her as she moved in his direction. He kept his head facing forward the whole time. Sharon was in no rush to catch up with him. A four-foot-tall fence enclosed the play area so he wouldn't be able to go any further than that. She wanted to keep watching him to see if she could figure out what he was up to. As she watched, 
Sharon realized what was so odd about the way her son was walking. His legs made stiff, jolting movements. They moved one at a time, not in constant motion like a normal child walks. One foot would land, and that leg would become still as the other foot lifted off the ground robotically. What on earth is he doing? Sharon wondered aloud. She could have gotten to him before he reached the fence, but Sharon was curious what Charlie would do once he got to it. She stayed a few steps behind as he came face to face with the chain links. He stopped with his nose just inches from the metal. Charlie? She reached forward and gently touched his shoulder. Without turning or moving at all, Charlie screamed. He didn't just cry out in surprise, he unleashed a continuous yell at piercing volume. Sharon dropped to her knees and put both arms around her child. He stared blankly through the fence with his mouth hanging open, channeling his horrible, unrelenting scream. Sharon wanted to shake him out of his stupor. She didn't see her son in the face in front of her. She saw a vacant shell devoid of a soul. In shock, it took Sharon a minute to realize her son's voice was being joined in dissonant harmony. It was the terrified shrieks from other parents that made her look over her shoulder at the playground. Every child stood locked in place, each one faced in her direction, the same direction as Charlie. They all had the same empty expressions, and they were all screaming. The unnerving sound of every child screaming in continuous unison made Sharon fall back against the fence. She saw Lacey grab Penelope and shake her shoulders, but little P kept staring and contributing to the cacophony. The cries continued long after every child should have emptied their lungs. It seemed to Sharon that the sound wasn't coming from the children, but rather a living entity simply used their mouths as portals to the world. Across the play area, parents began backing away from their own children as they realized the mass psychosis manifesting around them. Sharon watched Lacey in particular as she stepped away from P in helpless terror. All of the parents looked to each other with dying hope that someone would figure out what was happening to their children. Stop it, Charlie, Sharon begged. Whatever this is, stop it. Please, just knock it off. She looked to Lacey again and gave her friend a feeble shrug. Lacey returned the gesture and began sobbing. It was then that Sharon noticed the cloud forming above the paralyzed children and swarming parents. The cloud seemed to pull itself together in a vacuum of blue atmosphere. It started out as a few white wisps slithering towards a central point. As the tendrils amassed, the cloud became gray. It darkened as it grew until it was nearly black. As if it grew too heavy to resist gravity, the cloud slowly descended. When it was almost touching the highest tower of the playset, Charlie turned himself around. Sharon watched as each of the other children started moving as well. The cloud now hovered no more than 20 feet above the kids while they stared up at it, continuing to scream and never taking a breath. Sharon, what is that? Lacey screamed, taking Sharon's attention away from the cloud. Her friend was standing between P and the black mass holding her arms out to the sides like a cross. Recognizing a new level of fear in Lacey's expression, Sharon returned her focus to the cloud. Beneath the billowing shadows, something was moving. Something even darker than the cloud. A mushroom-shaped form pulsated in the nucleus of the cloud. A halo had formed around it, 
The ring of light grew as the thing rhythmically grew and shrunk. Soon the halo stretched beyond the edges of the cloud. It now appeared more as a sphere than a ring. It looked like an oily bubble ready to burst at the slightest touch. Sharon copied Lacey and put herself between her son and the light bubble. She didn't know if her body would stop whatever was coming next from getting to her child, but shielding him was all she could do. The bubble retracted suddenly. It got sucked back into the center of the cloud with lightning speed. Then, light burst out of the cloud like an atom bomb. It washed over everything, momentarily consuming every shadow in every corner of the playset. It should have blinded everyone who witnessed it, but it did not. When the light disappeared, so had the cloud. The children had stopped screaming and resumed play as if nothing had happened. A bunch of parents looked dumbstruck, like they had just woken up and didn't know where they were. A few nervous laughs were shared, and everyone returned to sitting on benches or the grass or leaning against poles. Sharon chastised Charlie for walking away from the playground, and he apologized as he ran to rejoin his game of tag. Lacey patted the seat next to her and motioned for Sharon to join her there. Sharon smiled and obliged. No one near the playground that day remembers any of the strange things that occurred. Someone does remember, though. Only one. An elderly man suffering from mental decline had been watching from his bedroom window. It's what he always did when his caretaker daughter was away from the apartment. He had been so lonely since, unable to pay the bill anymore, she had moved him out of the care facility and into her apartment. He passed the time by watching the children play. He tried to tell his daughter what he had witnessed when she returned from the grocery store. Dad, listen to yourself, she said. Those kids are all fine. Look, they're running around like they always do. No, you don't understand. They don't remember, he said. Their memories are... are... I'm sure their memories are fine, Dad. Don't worry. The only memory we need to be worried about is... She was going to say yours, but it seemed cruel. Her father understood, though. He couldn't expect her to believe his wild story even if he had all his faculties. Even if it was the truth. Even if lives... If the very planet might be at stake. You can support The Warning Woods by clicking the anchor support link in the description or by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash thewarningwoods. Of course, the best way to help is by writing a review and following this podcast in Apple Podcasts or subscribing on your favorite podcast app. Thank you for listening. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.